Well, well, well. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 92. Holy crap, that's a lot of episodes that we've been doing this for. Uh, this is episode 92 of Brews Less Travel, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer scenes from across America. I'm your host, Brian. Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode. We're back with a, another month of Featured City, new featured breweries, new featured beers, and of course, that always comes with a new co-host. So please, everybody, join me in welcoming and saying hi to a uh, first-time co-host, uh, friend friend of Bruvana, friend of City Brew Tours, and the owner of the soon-to-be-open City Brew Tours Milwaukee talk more about that city in a second ken carano how's it going ken good brian how you doing today i am doing very well i uh i went to swim class with my daughter earlier today i did not do any swimming she did the swimming it was very fun though uh good to good to spend some quality time with the family recently so yeah I'm, i'm doing well how about yourself Doing well, too. Uh, spent some time with my daughter earlier today, too. Although she wasn't going to swim class, she was buying a, a travel trailer for her upcoming move to Utah. She builds, she helps build power plants for a living, and she's got to go out to remote Utah to uh, to uh, build the next one. Wow. Uh, big fan of Utah, both as the podcast and myself. I proposed to my wife in Utah and got a lot of uh, very fond memories from that state. So I wish her daughter nothing but the best at her time there. Thank you. Well, Ken, why don't you, uh, being at your first time on the show, first time co-hosting, why don't you tell the folks at home about your your love for beer, your your beer journey, what has brought you to this podcast episode tonight? Sure. Um, my, my love of beer goes way back, uh, as do I, but my craft beer journey started with my wife when we were visiting Cleveland, Ohio in 1989. And went to a neighborhood that was not that was up and coming, but hadn't really up and come yet. And went to Great Lakes Brewing in Cleveland, Ohio, and had my first real craft beer then. And I've I've been hooked ever since. And um, you know, we go to uh, you know go to a lot of breweries now, and I see all these families. We you know, parents bringing their kids, and the kids are playing games and having fun. I'm, my wife and I look at each other like, where was all this when we were when we, our kids were little? Why couldn't we have this kind of fun? Yeah, I know. I went to a brewery this weekend with my daughter and she took a nap on uh, the bench Perfect. while I sat there and ate tacos and drank beer. I mean, Perfect. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. It's great to have you. Uh, I'm really excited to have you this month. Oh, good question from Matt in the chat. Do you remember what beer you had at Great Lakes? Um, Matt, great question. Uh, that was 1989. I barely remember if I washed my hair in the shower this morning. So I do not remember what beer I had in 1989, but it was very good. <laughs> I do remember that. I mean, it was probably one of those. It was probably one of those OG Great Lakes. It, it like, could have been Evan Fitzgerald. It, it could have been one Elliot of those. Elliot Ness, yeah. Yeah. Elliot Ness, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool place in Ohio City. There, cool place, Cleveland beer scene. But we're not here to talk about Cleveland tonight. We are here to talk about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, our featured city for the month. Milwaukee is is undoubtedly one of uh, the most influential and in, in you know as a fact it's one of the oldest beer cities in America. It is said that the first brewery in Milwaukee was actually founded before the city itself was founded during the beer boom of the late 19th century. Milwaukee was instrumental in pushing 
innovations in beer equipment, processes, and quality control. It said the pasteurization in beer was really revolutionized and maybe even invented in Milwaukee. We'll get into that throughout the month. And uh, really, in those days, in the late 19th century, you drank brewery typically from your regional brewery, you know, your big regional producer. But even then, before distribution and, and beer bars, people knew about Brew City. People knew about Milwaukee as the place that was revolutionizing beer. Milwaukee was able to, because of you know, things were so cold as as the, in the upper Midwest, they were able to pack ice, save the you know, they have a lot of ice to uh, keep keep lagers cool, and they were able to you know t- take that and you know ship beers to, you know first down to Chicago after the Great Fire in Chicago, and that's really popularized beer, uh, Milwaukee beer there too. Yeah, and. They existed as a juggernaut all throughout the 20th century. But this month, we're going to be talking about four of Milwaukee's somewhat new faces to the beer scene as as far as Milwaukee beer history goes. And uh, we are excited to talk about this mecca of the Great Lakes beer region. So tonight we are featuring Broken Bat Brewing Company, a brewery that was founded in 2017. We're going to be drinking two of their beers here, their Arm Barn Hazy IPA, as well as their Ofer, Ofer Cold IPA. As uh, I have said on previous streams, 2023 is a year of cold IPA. That's my hot take. Uh, And we're going to be joined by a wonderful guest from Broken Bat Brewing Company. I think it's as good as time as any to bring on our guest tonight. So please join us in welcoming the president of Broken Bat Brewing Company, Tim Pauly. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. Happy Tuesday evening to everybody out there. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, cheers. Happy Tuesday to you and happy Tuesday to our beer club subscribers, some of whom are joining us into the chat tonight. Shout out to Yins. You make it all possible. Tim, thanks for joining us. Excited to talk to you. Before we get into these beers, let's get started with our quick sip questions, as we always do. These are fast questions. We want fast answers, and these will help us to get you to know you fast. Let's do it. That that was real word salad there. So favorite <laughs> non-broken bat beer. Uh River West Stein from Lakefront Brewing Company. Old school Milwaukee craft brewery. The first. So good. Still, still amazing. Yep, great stuff. Uh favorite baseball player of all time. Of all time, Prince Fielder, Milwaukee Brewers, 2005-ish to about 2013-ish. He was uh organized chaos in the box, man. So he, that was my guy. Shout out to the lefty Prince Fielder. Old Milwaukee, Miller Lite, or PBR? Oh, Miller Lite, without question. Easy. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I'm realizing now that I just spelt Miller Lite in my uh, outline here as L-I-G-H-T. Then I should be a Sam of myself for that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a crime. Uh, Tim, would you rather have the Brewers win the World Series, their first World Series? Or would you rather have Broken Bat win Brewery of the Year at GABF this year? Give me a Brewers World Series, man. I'll take second. I'll take second place or whatever place we come in. That that's fine. <laughs> I'm worried I'm going to go to my grave without one of those. So uh, yeah, I'll take a Brewers World Series win. I understand your pain there. Uh, being a uh, being a White Sox fan, I had a feeling I wasn't going to make it either, and I've got yeah. one in my lifetime. That's probably all I'm going to get. That old five was a special run, though, man. That was a good one. And finally, our, our, our final quick sip question. Tim, have you ever seen Bigfoot, a UFO, a ghost? I have seen a UFO. I'm a firm believer in Bigfoot. 
and um I plan on going ghost hunting with my dad and brother this summer. We're we're pretty into the paranormal. We call ourselves the polynormals. Uh, so yeah, we are we are fans of the uh, the great beyond out there, and it, it's a hell of a lot more fun to believe in it because you can't prove that they don't exist. So once I prove that they do, I win and you lose. So yes, <laughs> to all the above. You can't prove a negative, so it's you can't prove me wrong. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. But yes, I I have seen what I believe to be a, a UFO. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the, uh, the bipedal creatures up in the Himalayas. And a uh, big, big fan of ghost hunting and all things uh, paranormal. So, yes. Great. Well, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. We'll have to have, have you back on after you do your, your polynormal ghost you trip. Bet, man. We're getting shirts summer. made and everything. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, why don't we open our first beer? Uh, Tim, what, what do you want to tell us about Ofer? Yeah, let's go with the Ofer. It's, uh, as as Brian was mentioning, it feels like it's kind of the year of the cold IPA. We came out with this uh, mid midsummer last year. It is a very light, crisp, clean looking beer in a glass. Uh, our brewer, Carl, worked on this recipe. We had a, a few variations we went with before we uh, locked in on this one. Uh, hops are El Dorado, Sabro, and some Mosaic in there. We did a little bit of dry hopping, um, basically brewed it. Just like uh, like you would brew uh, an IPA, but we did throw in the, a little bit of a lager yeast to give it that that super crisp and clean flavor. Uh, bump the ABV a little bit because we want this to kind of be a, a slow sipping beer. So it's uh, 6.7%. And it's been one of our staples since we came out with it last summer. So we're, we're super happy with it. Uh, it's a year-round offering for us now, both at the tap room and in distribution. Yeah, we were very excited when the the Bruvana crew was open to, to taking that as one of our two options. So we, we appreciate that because we're very, very proud of that beer as it stands. No, it's, it's a, it's a bold move for a brewery to say, Hey, we're going to put we're going to push our chips into the cold IPA style. It's only mm-hmm. been around for, you know, two, two years now, I think maybe roughly. Yeah. And uh, this is, this is a great example. I, I will say this, this is the first beer I've ever had that I've known has Sabro in it where I don't get like overwhelming coconut. It blends in so well with the Eldorado and the mosaic and the crispness. And mm-hmm. uh, it, this is just a, just a wonderful beer. Cheers. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It turned out, turned out just how we were hoping. And um, hopefully you guys catch a lot of the light and kind of floral crispness on the nose and, and nothing is overpowering. I hope you guys, you know, as you learn a little bit about the couple beers we have with you guys, we, we really, don't go for the overpowering of any flavor. So we're not looking to, um, you know, burn taste buds off with sours. We're not looking to have you go blind with, with bitterness in the pale ale world. Um, we're, we're just, we're finding a niche in super drinkable, super relatable, super quality, consistent uh, craft beer. And, and that's, that's hopefully what you guys are catching with, uh, with Ofer, our cold IPA here. Did you have to tweak the recipe uh, a few times to, to get it to where you wanted, or was it was it uh, good right out of the tank? No, we had to we had to mess with it a little bit. We we actually backed off some of the dry hopping. Um, we were catching a, a little too much uh, of of the El Dorado. We thought, and some of the Sabro. Again, we didn't want that that like almost meaty coconut flavor coming out of it. And we actually bumped the mosaic a smidge to give it a little bit more of that floral. I know everybody's using mosaic, but it's, it's a goddamn good hop. Man. It's a winner. So, yeah. So we use it too. Uh, but yeah, so we, we just tweaked the ratios of the three from our initial batch uh, and, and landed on a, a really good, uh, really good ratio of those three. 
So Tim, there's, there's lots that we can talk about, uh, as we've alluded to your brewery is an expression for your mutual love for both baseball and craft beer. Uh, you got a wiffle ball field inside the brewery. You've got beautiful branding and ethos around this, this, this love of beer, but I, I got to start here with the, with the gripe, honestly, oh, okay. why? <laughs> why I was looking at your online store earlier. Yeah. Why don't you have broken bat branded wiffle ball bats available? We have thought about it, but they break, man. They just, they break so so easily. Uh, and I think the minimums were pretty high to get them, uh, get them tatted up. But yeah, we, we have poked around the idea. So I, I will take the gripe head on and tell you that we've, we've looked at it. But um, there's also something to be said about just that untouched yellow bat that we all saw at every sporting goods store growing up with a little bit of dirt on it laying in the tall grass so, yeah, we, we try to stay pretty true to just like, man, come play wiffle ball. You can't take it seriously. Like we've seen suits come in and they put their, you know, athletic shoes on. <laughs> you just can't be too serious. It, it's <laughs> it's a fun it, it turns adults into, you know, kind of that youthful childlike exuberance again. And yeah, it, it's a blast, man. We're, we're lucky to have the space to do it. But uh, I'll put it in the suggestion box to get the, uh, <laughs> the branded bats for the future. No, I was going to say, I went looking. I was like, I saw the <laughs> wiffle ball field. I was like, they got it. They got to have branded bats or branded balls or anything. So, you know, it's very cool to see the wiffle, wiffle ball concept actually in a brewery. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I just figured we'd start with the silly joke. Uh, how's your wiffle ball curve? You got that three to nine going? Oh, man, I can I can bend it behind you. I can bend it over the top of you. I got a little rise ball if I need to. Yeah, man. <laughs> We take it pretty seriously around here, but uh, our, our leagues are mostly that pitch to hit. Like we're just looking for people to have a good time. We tried a competitive league where that pitching was allowed and we actually had to get rid of it because it got, it got too heated. You know, you throw a couple beers in and everybody's, you know, oh, I would have played in the majors if I didn't blow my arm out in yeah. high school. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> we're all 27 and up drinking craft beer on a Tuesday night. So just, just pump the brakes a little bit, but uh yeah, we had to get we had to get rid of the competitive night. Now we're all just we're here to hit home runs, man. Hit home runs and drink some beer, have some fun. No, oh, it's a lot of fun, and it's a it's a great facility you guys have there too. I mean, thirteen thousand square feet. You got a huge huge bar, huge area, and you you were scheduled to open on April first, twenty twenty. What? What are you thinking on the timing? <laughs> yeah, that was that was something, man. We had uh, so we were moving facilities from a little two thousand square foot basement brewery, which was really neat. It was a great space to start, kind of a proof of concept. And yeah, great, um, great third ward location. Very yep. lot of lot of people walking by. Yep, it was it was a great place to start. But uh, we had bigger plans in mind back in eighteen nineteen, and um, yeah, we've been <laughs> we've been planning our three year anniversary party. Uh, that first weekend in April uh, for about oh, four boy. months. And then the world started on fire right around St. Patrick's Day uh, in March of 20. And we didn't have a choice. Like all of our stuff was moved out. Um, we had beer in the tanks at the new place. So, yeah, the first the first three months of operations were literally selling out of a garage door uh, under a 10 by 10 tent. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it sucked, man. We couldn't have timed it any worse if we tried. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucked. But uh, here we are having a couple beers in uh, 2023, laughing about it a little bit. Well, you made it through. So that's the, that's the most important yeah. part. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. here. When did people actually get to come in and, and see the space? And when did you open the tap room officially? So I, I actually know exactly when it was because it was the uh, the night that my wife went into labor with our second daughter. <laughs> so, yeah. Timing is not your thing, is it? <laughs> yeah, really? No, man. It, it, life comes at me fast. I'll tell you, sometimes I think there's somebody out there just, just messing with me. But uh, it was June 18th was the night that we were allowed to have 25% capacity with uh, a, a litany of safety precautions in place. So we had the, you know, the tables were spread out to the, the six feet or eight feet or whatever it was. We had the plexiglass up by the bar. Obviously we were fully masked. We had to get approved by the city of Milwaukee and all the health stuff. But yeah, it was, it was June, June 18th, 2020 was the, the first night that we were allowed to have, have actual people inside of our facility. And we've had folks in here pretty much every night ever since. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So your beer, uh, Broken Bat, has been sold at American Family Field. You've brewed a collaboration beer with the beloved Tim Dillard, mm-hmm. the excellently named Dim Tillard Pale Ale. Um, and you even made a beer with corn that was grown at the Field of Dreams farm. Mm-hmm. But is there something in your love of baseball and beer that you haven't been able to accomplish yet? I have not been able to crack the, the brewer's nut. They are, uh, I've, I've tried a few times. So we do have beer at American Family Field, but it, it is certainly not a, uh, a brewer's related beer at all. And they are very protective of their brand as they should be. But um, yeah, I think someday the, the pipe dream is to somehow break into that, that relationship and, and let them know that, you know, we're not all just little ankle biters coming for their bottom line. You know, with the big dogs, we're, <laughs> we're all kind of just chasing the same dream. But uh, yeah, I would love to love to have some sort of collaboration with the brewer someday, because that that's certainly where my uh, my heart lies from the, the baseball world. I got I got to dig a little. I just made a little stupid joke about it, but I, I got to dig a little bit more into the, the field of dreams thing. You, yeah. How, how did that all come about? You, you brewed a beer with corn that was grown at that farm. Can you tell us more about that story? Yeah, I so I got a phone call about a year and a half ago from a guy in Iowa, and um, he was pretty much border of um, right where Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa meet, I think in the Dubuque area. And he had access to the farmer at the movie site for the Field of Dreams. So he was the photographer and main kind of storyteller for that site for about 20 years. And he'd always had this idea of brewing a beer with the corn. And he reached out to several breweries in Iowa. They all were uninterested. And I thought I was getting catfished, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I thought there's no way, <laughs> there's no way this cat has access to the corn. Because he said it's left field, man. He said, do you remember where James Earl Jones walked out of the outfield? He's like, I could get corn from there. And uh, I, I kind of fluffed him off. I said, look, if you're serious, I'm around all week. And he said, I'll be there tomorrow. And um, he brought about 600 pounds of corn down with certificates of authenticity and pictures and photograph with the farmer. And I'm actually heading out with him in April to harvest this year's batch. So we'll have some photography from that, but yeah, the, the rest is sort of history. We, we branded it together. We had it available at the first major league baseball game that was played in year one at the field of dreams. I think that was, was the Yankees. Yeah. Which is how it should, it should have been the white Sox game every year. I'm being honest. It should be like the Lions on Thanksgiving. It should have been the White Sox every year as a shoeless Joe. But um, yeah, we were there. It went over incredibly well. Uh, it went over a little too well. So some breweries from Iowa jumped on, jumped on the bandwagon and did the same thing. And, and admittedly from them being 
you know, from out there, it, it went over really well with the locals and, and kind of that scene. But um, yeah, we're going to do it again this year. It, it's, it's one of those concepts that you kind of dream about not to be too corny and punny about it, but yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a catfish. I thought a guy was just messing with me and here we are coming up on, on year three of the, of the project. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool to be, be a part of that. I love the certificate of authenticity with your corn. People need it, man. People need proof. Like, you know how it is. Like we, we all live yeah. on the internet nowadays. Yeah. Like it's like proof pictures or it didn't happen kind of thing. It's like, well, okay. You know, here's the farmer. Here's the certificate of authenticity. Here's the pictures of him harvesting it in November. And uh, we printed it literally a little COA on every single can. And we gave a little um, kind of a little base, baseball card size card that said, here's the story. And again, I'm going to get out there this year, which I'm very excited about. So I'll have some, some proof that I was there, but yeah, people, people needed proof that it was real and it, gosh, darn it. It was real. So <laughs> have you been out to the site before? I hadn't before that first game. No, um, kind of always a bucket list thing. I know I'm only four hours away, which is blasphemy, but uh, yeah, I I hadn't, but I have now. And it it is as cool as I had hoped, you know, places like that, almost like they almost can't live up to what you have in your head from an expectation standpoint, but that Wrigley field did its job. I hate the Cubs, but uh, Wrigley field is kind of in the same vein of, man, I can just, I can feel nostalgia emanating off of this place and the field of dreams is kind of the same same vibe well maybe we should open up the arm barn i think Tim, i think that's what you're drinking right now that's what i got in front of me tonight yeah great great can artwork who uh who does the can artwork for the brewery oh that's all up in this twisted head of mine so it's weird how you find creative uh releases in life you know absolutely so yeah this is our this is our year-round hazy six percent straight as an arrow IPA for you. So it's one uh, utilizes eucanot and cashmere hops. Do a little bit of dry hopping along the way too. Um, make sure that flocculation is real nice. So it should be nice and hazy in the glass. A little darker than some of your standard hazies. A little of that comes from the grain bill being a little darker. But again, Carl, our head brewer, is just in love with this beer. He worked pretty hard on it. And uh, yeah, probably my favorite variation of an IPA that we've come out with in the five plus years we've been roaming around Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Get the get the floral notes right away when you open the mm-hmm. can. Didn't even I didn't even move my nose to it, and you, you and I got it right away. It's just terrific. Big time. Yeah, cash cashmere is such a beautiful hop. I I really want that to uh, get a lot more appreciation in the in the brewing world, and it it blends wonderfully with the Echinot in this beer. I get really nice pineapple aroma from it. It's that an extremely yep. smooth, drinkable beer. There's not a ton. You you know you think. A lot of times, hazy IPAs, they can fall detrimental to high finishing gravities and have a lot of sugar and sweetness to them. This isn't here at all. You, you get a really nice, smooth body, and then that beer gets out of, out of your mouth, and you know, you're know you not left with all this residual sugarness and this cloying. This, this is a, another really, really nice beer. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we've, we've certainly had those types of, of beers in the past, Brian, that you mentioned, and um, I think just with the the amount of fun we like to have with real fruit in some of the beers, we wanted to make sure that some of those like mainstay, because not everybody likes sweet and sugars and fruits and all that stuff in their beer, which we found, you know, over the years where it felt like a couple of years ago, it was like, let's dump every kind of sugar we can find into a beer and (laughs) see what happens. Um, And there's been kind of a big pendulum swing of people are just looking for a consistency, quality, kind of what they think beer used to taste like 
And, and we think that cashmere as a hop sort of lends itself really nice to that, where you'll still get, you'll get the vibes and the nose of, of some of that stone fruit, like the pineapple, like you were mentioning, but um, end of the day, the finish is just clean. It's not overpowering. Uh, and again, ABV, we like to keep these types of beers in that five and a half to six and a half percent range. And this one's six right on the dot. So you can have a couple of them and don't have to be uh, rolled out the door right at the end of the night. So, Yeah, I uh, just want to give a shout out to some of our uh, beer club subscribers joining us into the chat. Old friends of the show, Nick and Nora, with some killer puns in here. If you brew it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, it's very been, the chat's been very punny. They've, yeah. uh, they said this beer is a home run. And Matt says it smells like left field and fresh pineapple. So perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Great stuff. That's Great fresh stuff. cut grass, man. There's nothing better. You know, that, that's a baseball player's dream right there. Fresh cut, fresh cut left field grass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Broken Bat is located on, um, well, the best named street in all of Milwaukee, Pittsburgh Street. We are. But uh, yeah, more importantly, you're right across the street from the Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. Mm-hmm. It also looks like Broken Bat has their own collection of, of bobbleheads in the tap room. And two-part question, do you have a bobblehead of yourself? And uh, any plans for collaborating with the museum or working <laughs> with them in any capacity? Uh, no, and yes, I, I have mock-ups of me as a beer vendor as we speak. <laughs> so we're hoping to have those ready for this year. So I'm talking like throwback, you know, imagine a guy with a visor on and just the ice bin in front of him with the nice neon yellow shirt. Going beer here at a game, so we don't have it yet, but I, I literally have mock-ups in my inbox as we speak, and it's going through Phil and his team at the Bobblehead Museum across the street. So, um, yeah, those guys are amazing, man. Their facility, I, you know, if anybody gets a chance to come to Broken Bat, I cannot recommend highly enough stopping over there. They have everything you could ever imagine um, in Bobblehead form, and they've been kind enough to lend us some of their more rare ones we actually have behind some plexiglass here at the tap room. Uh, and then, of course, we have our seven Kyle Loches, 12 Derek Turnbows, 34 Jeff Supons that nobody wanted and donated over <laughs> and over and over and over again. So, yeah, we, we have a little fun with it. But, yeah, we, we just we're baseball man through and through. We're trying not to shove it down people's throats. But bobbleheads are a big part of the culture. And we're, we're lucky to have neighbors that kind of share in that in that passion for sure. Look, I mean, there's there's 10,000 breweries in America nowadays. Yeah. Everybody, mostly everybody makes really good beer. If you have a brand and, and you really you really love it and you really feel like it's a part of you, then then live it like don't don't be ashamed. Be be the be the nerdy bobblehead baseball brewery. It's awesome. This is us, man. Take <laughs> yeah. it or leave it. <laughs> I can see the brewers with a uh, with a broken bat bobblehead night with a. T- 20, 25,000, the first, uh, first enter the building with, uh, with a Tim Pauly bobblehead. That'd be great. Now we're talking, Ken. Now we're talking, man. I'll throw the shirt on for the night. I'll sling some beers in section 104. You, you tell me when I'll be there. I'll be there. You, you think you, you think going into it, people are just going to be like, who is this Tim Pauly guy? Why is he got a bobblehead? <laughs> and then it just turns out to be like this meme. And then everybody's like, oh, I got I got to get a Tim Pauly bobblehead. And then they start going for like 10 grand on, on eBay and, it, it won't be worth the plaster they were printed on, but uh, I'll, I'll certainly have some fun with it. <laughs> you you mentioned something important that I, I do want to touch on. So anybody at home that ever wants to get a bobblehead of yourself, the Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum actually does custom bobbleheads. And anybody can reach out to them and get a quote 
yep. for a custom bobblehead that they want. So if you're if you're sitting at home listening to this being like, I want my own bobblehead, you can do it. Just look up the Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Stop there and then uh, just you know, it's like a half a block walk over to Broken Bat to uh, to uh, see a few more bobbleheads and, and drink a few IPAs. I can I can literally see their building from out my window where I'm sitting right now. So, yeah, they're <laughs> legitimately across the street. I'm not not exaggerating in the uh, it's actually four blocks away. Like these guys are legit across the street from us. So pretty cool. Well, let's 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 talk about Milwaukee a little bit. Brian was saying at the opening, maybe no one has as rich a beer history as, as Milwaukee does. Mm-hmm. What What's your favorite uh, brewery history site? I've made an effort to lean into the history of Milwaukee. So we, we never want to like talk garbage about, you know, Miller and Schlitz and Blatz and Paps Blue Ribbon. Like those are the, those are the guy we can get their beer barons. You know, like we literally have a picture of the four beer barons <laughs> plastered in our tap room because they put Milwaukee on, on a legitimate worldwide map for people to talk about beer and we're kind of riding those coattails like every other brewery in the state has for you know 30 40 years and um it is a rich history it's cool it's neat to be a part of we're semi-competing in the same market but you know those guys aren't aren't going for the folks looking for a a mexican chocolate style with a little cinnamon and vanilla in it like they're (laughs) they're looking for miller light man like that miller light coors light those are the drinkers they're going for so just from a historical standpoint in Milwaukee, I mean, like I, I mentioned Lakefront earlier, they are the godfather of craft beer here in Milwaukee. Russ and Jim Klish and their whole team, they're, they're just such good people too, which is really neat. Like there's a little bit of a stigma in craft beer. Sometimes there's a little snotty or snooty or, you know, I'm the best kind of thing. And, and we really don't have that in Milwaukee, which is really neat. There was certainly a 20 year period where it was Milwaukee Brewing Company, Lakefront Brewing Company and, and Miller. And then all of a sudden kind of 2015 happened and we were part of that first wave. And now there's, you know, 30 plus breweries in the, the kind of Metro Milwaukee area. And, and it's really cool. Like we've become sort of a, a craft beer destination in the Midwest where back in the day, it was more of a, well, let's go to the Miller tour and see vats that are the size of the Titanic. And now, you know, <laughs> we had a brewery with seven barrel tanks in a basement of a commercial facility. That was awesome. And uh, you, you just get a little bit of everything here in Milwaukee and just proud to be a part of it, man. Yeah. Six, six years, almost six years in. It's uh, it's a neat group to be a part of. And we're growing. There's more coming. So I don't know if they're all public yet, but there's there's more coming and we're excited. Yeah, it's definitely good to see that happen in a city like Milwaukee that, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but we're not going to be featuring Golden Colorado on here, the home of Coors, because <laughs> it's pretty much Coors and like maybe three or four other breweries in that mm-hmm. city, but like Milwaukee, oh man, I, I feel so bad now for, for throwing golden Colorado under the bus. Sorry. Sorry. Golden Colorado people. <laughs> but it, it, it's so good to see that because Milwaukee was instrumental in beer becoming what it is mm-hmm. in America nowadays, mm-hmm. Through the turn of the century, the, the, the propagation of pasteurization and all these processes and packaging that are just so common in every brewery nowadays. Milwaukee, uh, you know, deserves all the credit they're getting and, and deserves all the the, the hubbub that they're going to get now and in, in moving forward with the awesome craft beer scene that they have now. Because, you know, here's here's the secret of American craft beer. And, and here's basically what we've been doing, featuring all these Midwest cities. 
the Midwest is loaded with like a shitload of really, really good beer cities. There is, there is so much good beer come between <laughs> here, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan. I mean, Illinois obviously is just loaded in the Chicagoland area, but no, we're, we are flush with delicious craft beer. And the, the cool part is it's driving all of us to, to stay, you know, good and, and try to be better. And, you know, I think that the oddly, unique part about craft beer is there there's such a camaraderie around um cities like we kind of realize that you know as the tide rises all, all ships rise and and we want to be a place where folks are coming from you know fife washington in the corner of the state or the corner of the country in miami florida and like we got to go to milwaukee just for a weekend and then we got to come back because we missed 12 breweries that all sound amazing and then we got to come back in five years because there's 10 more breweries <laughs> yeah. you know and and that's that i feel like that's where we're headed uh, as a city and Milwaukee's in, I know there's, there's ups and downs of every metropolitan city across the country, but we are incredibly proud of what Milwaukee's doing. Um, it, it feels revitalized. It feels healthy. Our downtown is, is kind of booming with construction, which is always a good sign. And uh, we're kind of right in the heart of it. So <laughs> knock on wood, we're, we're in a good spot after three shitty years to, to just be all right for a little while. So yeah, very, very proud of what Milwaukee's, and greater Milwaukee too is, is doing right now. And yeah, man, there's a lot of good beer out here. Yeah, there's a lot of good things happening out in Wauwatosa, out in Waukesha, mm -hmm. out, up mm -hmm. North down South, down South might need a little bit more help, but uh, yeah. Amazon keeps buying up Julian <laughs> acre plots of land down there. So there isn't a ton of room for breweries down there, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're lucky to be, be where we are and, and very proud of the kind of the uh, reputation that Milwaukee currently has from a, a beer scene. Uh, so before we get to our uh, our typical closing question, I do want to jump to the chat again. Good friends, Nick and Nora. Full disclosure: I know not I know nothing about baseball. I, I I grew up in Pittsburgh. I have never seen a successful baseball team. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> but Nick and Nora want to know, Tim, what are your thoughts on the new rules? I guess there's rule changes in yeah there, coming this year. There's a lot of rule changes. So the the big one is there's a a clock in the game of baseball for the first time in. 150 years. So I'm a fan of the concept, but I think there are some pretty egregious kinks getting worked out in pre in uh, spring training right now. So I would love to see a, a couple more seconds added on to the, the uh, pitch clock, which is currently at 20 seconds and hitters really have about five or six seconds to get their shit together and get in the box. Otherwise they get a strike an automatic strike called on them. Well, I think that needs to be worked out a little bit. I'd hate to see like a playoff game ended on a, basically a no pitch strike or something like that. The batter wasn't looking at the pitcher. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Like, it's been happening in spring trading and it looks goofy, but uh, I do love the games are down from like three hours and 15 minutes. They're down to like two and a half, two twenty, 20 um, start to finish, That's which is much more palatable. The base is being bigger. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm indifferent on the, the base is looking like a bigger pizza box. It might, it might increase steals a little bit more. Either you're faster or not. I mean, you had Scott Pasednik back in the day, Ken. Either you can yeah. swipe a bag or you can't, man. You That's know? true. That's true. <laughs> I got. I got to tell you though, Tim. I was down to a minor league game in Charlotte last uh, last year. Yeah. And um, it, we got to the fifth inning, and we were. 
barely an hour into the game. I looked over my life, my wife and said, what is going on here? This is, this is, this is baseball on a, on a treadmill. It's going yeah, so fast. Yeah. And, it was, and, you know, and maybe beer sales might get hurt with that. And they might tweak the time a little bit just because you're not selling enough beer, but it was, yeah, it, was drink faster. It, it was, you could get, you could get in and out in a couple hours. That wasn't, wasn't a bad time. Yeah. I, I think they're, I hope they're looking for a sweet spot in that like two fifteen to two and a half hours. Cause again, it, it's not a family friendly uh, event at the moment. There, there's nobody under the age of 30 that wants to sit there for four hours and watch, you know, guys adjusting their batting gloves and stepping out of the box and walking around and all that crap. So it'll be interesting. I think the, the pickoff, you know, you can only throw over to first base a few times before the runner either gets second base or, you know, you have to go home with it. So that'll be interesting. And then the, the no shift is I'm a huge fan of that because I always, <laughs> I always felt bad for the big lefties that, they kind of can't help it. You know, you get pitched inside and you got to pull the ball and you're hitting it into five defenders. So I think it's a lot of good things. I hate Rob Manfred for anybody listening. That guy's an absolute jack wagon, but uh, at least he's got the right people in his ear trying to trying to help the game and, and you know, stay up with the times a little bit because baseball is a historically old, you know, nostalgic stick with what's worked type of uh, type of sport. So it's good to see they're they're trying at least. You know, it's not wiffle ball yet. It's not 40-minute games quite yet, but uh, they're heading in the right direction. So I'm a fan of most of the stuff. I'll tell you, as, a, as an outside, objective uh, third party, that seems like they're really trying. That mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of role changes. So hopefully yeah. that works out for all the baseball fans. Uh, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> um, I'm a hockey fan. So, you know, we've dealt with our ups and downs. And it's good, right. good to see baseball fans getting getting the uh getting the game times down maybe the pirates will be good someday brian hey they had what was that 2013 yeah they had that one there that one playing game that they lost (laughs) one season over 500 and then a single playing game that they lost i'm a a brewers i didn't go to the playoffs for 25 years growing up so don't don't worry about it look we got the we got the steelers and the penguins we'll be we'll be okay we'll be we'll be all right here yeah all right so Tim, we've talked a lot, a lot of stuff. Your 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 love for baseball, your love for beer, your, your wonderful brewery, your upcoming, soon to be released bobblehead. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, what is one thing that you wish Milwaukee was more well known for? Hmm. I wish that we were a little bit more well known for. I don't want to call it a vacation. We're not a vacation town, but. I've seen a couple articles out, you know, I think the New York times even released something last summer of like Milwaukee being a, a hidden gem in the Midwest. If you imagine Chicago and you just shrink it all down and then cut the prices in half, <laughs> we pretty much are just, we're the little brother or little sister of Chicago. We have uh, everything you could imagine. We have uh, music festivals that are world-class. We have a lakefront that is absolutely stunning. They've cleaned it up completely. We have a, a river scene that's wonderful. You can boat up to restaurants and bars uh, all over the city. Uh, our accommodations are through the roof. We've had a bunch of um, smaller niche motels or motels, hotels go up recently. Um, and then the culinary and, and beer scene is just, it's fantastic, man. So we're hoping that becomes a little bit more mainstream knowledge here in the next few years, especially with getting back to hosting conventions and, you know, having tons and hordes of people coming here and getting Miller Park. It's still Miller Park, by the way. It's not Amp oh, sorry. Field. Sorry. It's, 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 it's Miller Park. But just getting people back out. Yeah, would love would love people to know what a, what a cool place, especially from kind of that Memorial Day to Labor Day 
you're, you're not going to find a, a better city in the Midwest to have some fun than Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, for that, I hope everybody listening and thinking about coming to Milwaukee picks uh, May, June, July, August, somewhere in there. Come have some fun, catch some good weather, baseball, beer, music, food. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty awesome place in the summer. You can even go after August and just hang out at some places when the Packers are on and, and have oh, yeah. the time of your life and have the time of your life too. I just I don't want to hear any winter jackets and 60 degree talk. That's the only thing I worry about. Nobody nobody's allowed to bark about it being cold when it's 60. Because I was in t-shirt and shorts the other day at 43 and sunny. So <laughs> but yeah, if you can handle the fall weather, man, it's it's beautiful and Packer season is special. And the badge, I'm I'm a Marquette grad, so I'm not a big badger guy, but you know, college football is huge out in the Madison area and um, Green Bay is just a, you know, needle in a haystack when it comes to cities in this country with a professional football team and about 10,000 people in there or 100,000 people in their population. But um, yeah, Milwaukee, especially for about six months out of the year when there are piles of snow around, it's a pretty special place. So, Well, uh, that, that's great to hear. I am excited to talk more throughout this month, Ken, with you about Milwaukee and, and the City Brew Tours location that's going to be opening there. Uh, but this is going to do it for us tonight. Tim, where can people find Broken Bat Beer? We are distributed pretty much all Southeast Wisconsin and up in the greater, greater Green Bay area. But some stores that are, are really pushing us are uh, Ray's over in Tosa. Uh, Otto's has about eight locations in the greater Milwaukee area. They're an awesome place. Um, all the Piggly Wigglies are carrying us. Festival Foods, uh, some of the new high vs that just came out are carrying us. Total Wine. But pretty much anywhere, anywhere the craft beer is sold, we're starting to penetrate the market pretty good. But um, yeah, if you're out and about, look for this pretty cans with a little baseball pun on it and hopefully some pretty delicious beer inside. Give us a shot. And then, of course, come check out the tap room if you're ever in the neighborhood. We'd love to, love to pour you a couple pints. Yeah, don't forget, it's on East Pittsburgh Street. <laughs> Wait, I, I, you guys have Piggly Wigglies up there? I thought Piggly Wigglies were only in the south. I can't get a good Wegmans here. Now I know that the Piggly Wiggly just skipped over Pennsylvania. And oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we've got the Wobbly Sow here. Oh, That's, yeah. You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mainstay, man. We got plenty of them. We probably, I can probably think of 10 or 15 of them in the, in the greater, greater Milwaukee metropolitan area. But yeah, Piggly Wiggly, man. They got the best frozen pizza selection around. They got a pretty good craft beer selection too. <laughs> so. uh, well, as as my koozie says, I'm big on the pig. Uh, there you I'm go. A big big fan of the pig. Shout uh, out the pig, man. This is this has been this has been an absolute pleasure, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Anybody that's looking to follow the uh, story of Broken Bat and what they're doing uh, in these coming months and coming years, you can find them on Instagram at Broken Bat Brew. Of course, you can find us at Bruvana.com. Thanks to Broken Bat for supplying beers for the show and also for our beer club. You can go to Bruvana.com and check out our beer club subscription options. Get beers like these sent to you on a monthly basis and, you know, also help support the show. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another featured brewery, Gathering Place Brewing Company out of, you guessed it, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and support local breweries, everybody. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers.